Hey everyone and welcome to a new week and episode number 38 of Off The Block Swimming Podcast. Thank you all for joining us today. Wherever you are listening right now, I'm your host, Robbie Cox. Now, another big week here on the podcast with Olympians past and present, as well as one future Olympian, no doubt, on Friday. But today, we have an Olympian from Rio in 2016 and a woman who was a part of the amazing four girls last year in Guangzhou that not only brought home the gold, but broke a world record along with it. My special guest today is none other than Maddie Wilson. In this chat, we discuss her experience and training through COVID, her beginnings in the pool, her goals of being an Olympian when she was a little, little girl, her amazing career so far with all the learning experiences along the way, as well as her first Olympics in Rio. And of course, we touch on last year's amazing World Championships results in Guangzhou and that magical moment with the girls. So turn the volume up, start your week off right with us right here on Off The Blocks because Ep 38 with Maddie Wilson starts now. Away they go. No problems with the start. There is two 100s in the second inning. Gary Hall Jr., the extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. Thorpe is starting to go away from him. Oh, he's blowing him away now. Thorpe's gone more than a metre on Van der Noot's hand. But the finisher of all eyes is the great Madam Butterfly, Susie O'Neill. He's coming back. Oh, he surely can't do it to him again. Chavis in the white hats, Phelps in the black hats, and Phelps is Morris. I cannot believe he's done that. Thorpe's in front, Thorpe on the hall, Thorpe goes in. Australia win. Joining me today on the show is two-time Olympic medalist from Rio in 2016. She's a multiple-time world championship medalist and most notably from last year's Guangzhou World Championships, where she was a part of the amazing 4 by 200 meter freestyle relay where the girls just pipped the Team USA to win gold, which was an amazing achievement. It was absolutely huge. So many more things to talk about with her, so let's get started. It's a massive welcome to Off the Block Swing podcast to Maddie Wilson. Maddie, how are you going, mate? Good, thank you. Thank you for that introduction. That was really pumping up my tires. <laughs> yeah, I know. Some people, as I said to you, some people like it, some people don't. Some people can't fit through the door after I say it because their, their yeah. head gets a bit bigger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that was, that was really nice. Thank you. No worries at all. Now, where have we caught you today? Uh, my bedroom. I actually probably look a bit funny because I just came downstairs from a massage. And I had about 10 minutes before this was going to start. And I was like, get the lines out of my head. Like, get the massage face off my face. <laughs> yeah, pretty much just in my room. It's Thursday. I have the afternoon off training. So it's pretty much just my afternoon to just chill. Arvo off. you <laughs> living the dream. How have you been? Talking about training and Arvo's off. Have you been through through COVID? Obviously, I think you guys down in Adelaide were one of the lucky ones in terms of not having a massive break. I know I spoke to Travis Marnie um, fairly soon after you guys got back in and it wasn't that big of a break. So how'd you go through all of that? Um, look, I really struggled at the start. Um, I think we found out that originally that Australia had withdrew from the games if they were going to be held this year. And at that moment, um, I was in like fine form. I was like ready to go this year. And in that moment, I, I had 24 hours to get myself back to Queensland. I knew I wanted to drive before the borders shut and I would have to do the isolation. I knew I wanted to drive. So I had my mum fly here within a couple of hours of finding out. And we drove all the way back to Queensland trying to get in as quick as we can um, safely, mm-hmm. very safely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> took my dogs with me and, um, yeah, and then just, like, trying to adjust to realising it, it was postponed and everything stopped and you had to be on this lull. I think in an Olympic year there's such a build mm. um, into – competition into uh, all the states that we go to and and there's just this energy and then for that just to be all stripped back and you have to try and 
okay, just relax, just wait. Like it's another 12 months away. That's okay. But just trying to settle a little bit, I think was a bit of a challenge for my coach to get me to settle, get me to relax and then re-motivated again. Mm. Um, But we were really lucky here in South Australia that we opened up the pool relatively quickly because I was in Queensland. I did have to come back and do um, 14 days isolation, which was extremely tough (laughs) I'm not gonna lie but in saying that I managed to um be involved with my squad every day um I called like I did like a FaceTime workout every single day with all my coaches and support staff and the rest of my squad mates so it kind of helped me through it and then pretty much like we went back into it we did 12 week preparation we did the virtual olympics um And then we're just actually coming back from a break again now. So it seems like so long ago that everything kind of was put on pause, Mm. but in the same time, it doesn't seem that long ago as well. (laughs) For someone who hasn't been in quarantine, because the only place I went to was bloody a quick drive up to Newcastle just to get away for a few days. What's it like being stuck inside for 14 days? What do you do? Do you just Netflix the whole time? Are you constantly, you know, on Instagram? What are you doing? Oh, all of the above. (laughs) Everything. Um, I was actually quarantining with with one of my um, squad mates. She had a pool. So I didn't have to stay with my quarantine. I didn't have to stay inside the entire time. I just had to um, stay at the same location. And she had a pool and it was like freezing, but I would do sessions just on like a, um, a cord attached yep. to this tree yep. and I would just swim on the spot. I get really bad motion sickness mm. and cause it's so wavy, it's a tiny pool. And cause I'm creating so much wave by the end of it, I would get super like, like I felt like I was going to throw up cause I get really motion yeah. sick. And then after the 14 days of doing that, I went back to training and my coach was like, why are you swimming like that? Like, why are your elbows so high? And I was like, well, think about it. Like, it's super wavy. So my stroke just completely changed. So in hindsight, I probably wouldn't do that again because I had to spend the next few weeks, you know, readjusting what my stroke was like. <laughs> <laughs> when you got back into training, mate, what, what was it like? Was it easier or harder than you thought? Um, it was like, it was a long break, like a huge long break. But I managed to stay relatively fit and uh, had goals away from the pool, which was to gain strength. So I managed to stay relatively, um, you know, fit kind of, I guess you could say. Um, And getting back in was was a lot easier than I thought after having so much time out. It it really wasn't as bad as what I had built up into my head to Mm. be, even though that was probably a good thing so that when I did dive in, it it wasn't as bad, but at the same time, it felt weird. Like it felt like I had all these jelly limbs and oh, it was was a weird feeling. (laughs) It's been interesting asking um, the guests that question because some are saying it wasn't as hard as they thought. Like actually it was pretty cruisy. Some are like, it was so hard. (laughs) So it's different. (laughs) eh? Everyone's got a, a different experience. Yeah, I could imagine. And like, I think during that time, people were under different, um, lockdown rules and that sort of thing so everyone was doing doing different things so I think everyone came back at like a different sort of pace where when we came back we we really this entire year since we stopped because of COVID have just done one session a day which blows my mind because I would have never thought that I could train once a day and and do okay but I managed to just at the last competition that we did do, do a heap of pbs and i was like mm-hmm. i was like to my coach hang on a second like so we're doing one a days for the rest of my career right like yeah. <laughs> you know if i can swim well off it uh, we're doing one a days and he was like no 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 this is just because of like mm-hmm. the back backlog that you have in your body i was like oh, okay damn worth a try though also sounds like those that strength training and sort of building your muscles has, has been helping you seem like you may be a bit stronger yeah, I think like I didn't realize how important strength was and I'm not I don't really have the body that can just build muscle like super easy. Yeah. So since I moved to Adelaide in 2018, we have just put a huge emphasis on building strength. I remember 
looking at my results of chin-ups the other day with my um, coach and it was like he timed 10 seconds when I first came or might have even been 20 seconds and it was how many I could do and I did two and I did two and I was like one and then I just like braked for so long pause and then did another one and I was like and now it's like chin-ups are one of my biggest strengths and yeah I, I just think that strength is something that I completely didn't realize was such a big aspect of the sport well mate i tell you what one thing that's made me very jealous and i don't know if you'd be the same because you've got a fair few friends on the gold coast as well is through all that covid lockdown stuff when everyone was stuck in their house and stuff and i'd still talk to people uh, on the podcast who live on the gold coast they're like yeah i went to the beach today went for a swim did some surfing did this and it seems oh, like they were still living their best life Absolutely. Like, could you imagine? <laughs> I'm so jealous. I went back to the Gold Coast just a few weeks ago. My family lives there. Um, so I went back and I was at the beach every day. Mm. And next time, next time something like this comes up, I'm going to the beach. Yeah. Like every day. Yeah. We're just going to the Gold Coast. <laughs> I almost stopped uh -huh. interviewing them because I was just getting too shitty. Just sitting here in Western <laughs> Sydney, in my garage being locked in while they're all just <laughs> out there, you know. <laughs> getting on the beach yeah. uh now mate stop enough... asking them stop yeah exactly asking yeah them. i think i will i think i will uh unfortunately most of the australian team are training yeah. there so it's yeah. a little bit harder uh, mate let's get stuck into to your career and, and how it all started talk to me about what drew you towards the pool when you're a young girl up in queensland yeah um i was just put in to learn to swim from when i was a baby like my grandparents owned a swim center so it was pr not the swim center that I learned to swim at but it was just ingrained in my family that I would learn to swim and I kind of just went through the ranks of everything I did learn to swim my older sister swam and I remember always wanting to um do the 25 meter races when she did them and and I, I think I just had that competitive kind of I, I don't know um quality in me from a young age and I just yeah I just always did it club nights into school swimming carnivals um it was different in Queensland because I was from a more rural area we had a carnival and we had to travel for a carnival every weekend and pitch the tent and you know me and my two sisters um we would sit in the back car seat mum would pack the esky and it was it was just like a different kind of lifestyle um you travel six seven hours in the car to go to a swim meet um and looking back they're like some of the best memories that I have because it's such important time in your life that you get to spend bonding with your family and um also doing what I loved at the time as well Mate, I love it I love that story because these days people won't even travel if the carnival's like an hour away they're like no yeah. it's not in our area we're not going or especially in Brisbane yeah. no it's across the bridge we're only going to go to ones on the north side yeah <laughs> absolutely I remember when I came to Brisbane I went to Brisbane for my first states and I remember getting there and being like wait wait what like where, where's the tents go? Like it was at Chandler and I was like, this isn't, this isn't how we do a swim carnival. And I, like, it was like, I had never seen anything like it before. I mean, like I fell down the stairs, like the grandstand at my first carnival. Like I was like, could this kid be any more country? Like she can't even get down a grandstand before a race. I was so nervous. My legs were shaking and it's just like, I just fell down. How many stairs <laughs> was, did you go down? Oh, it was probably like the last four and it like wasn't even that big of a deal, but I was just so embarrassed. I was like, oh, happens all the time. Like, don't worry about it, guys. Did you play any other sports growing up? I did. I played soccer when I was very young, um, you know, like under sixes. Yeah. And then I did netball um, with my sisters as well. But I actually managed to break my arms like three separate occasions. So towards the end of like 12, 13, my mum was like, I don't know if it's for you. Like, I don't know if, if it's worth all the money that it costs. <laughs> well, the broken limbs were starting to, she was starting to get a sign, a signal that maybe that's not working. Yeah. And it like, it was, it was just clumsy times. It would be like blowing a whistle to get back into your positions. And I would run backwards and fall over and break my arm. And it's like, you weren't even playing the game. It's just embarrassing. This whole falling over seems to be a theme for you. Um, what about heroes and idols? Who did you look up to growing up? 
Uh, I remember watching the 2000 Olympics and just thinking everyone was amazing. Um, but then a real pivotal moment in my career was I watched the 2008 Olympics and I watched Steph Rice absolutely just smash everything. Um, and I act, it's kind of embarrassing, but I actually um, Googled who her coach was mm-hmm. and I found out that it was Michael Bowl. And I sat down and I like wrote a letter on my computer to my mom and dad explaining, like I live with my mom and dad, yeah. but I wrote them a letter explaining mm-hmm. that Michael Bowl was this coach at St. Peter's and it's a boarding school. And basically you have to send me there. And I folded, like printed it off, folded it up, like put it out their door. And, you know, it was probably like 12 months since I wrote the letter that I like convinced them to let me to go and kind of have a look at the school and explore it mm-hmm. before I actually did move there. But it's funny that just that one moment being a young kid and watching the Olympics and being like, I'm going to, I'm going to be like her. I'm, I want to be like her. Who's her coach? Where does she live? Like what she doing? I'm I'm gonna do that too. <laughs> oh, I love that story. Just even just about your sort of quest for for knowledge and learning more. And okay, who's the best? Okay, they're the best. That's where I want to go to. Um, and I definitely love. I always love asking the stories about um, heroes and idols because that's the main reason I get you guys on is because there's so many youngsters that listen that look up to you guys that want to hear your stories and you know look and see. Okay, well, where's Maddie training now? What's she doing with her training as well? So no, I love it. Great story. Thank you. <laughs> For a lot of people, there's a moment. Uh, it could be in training, could be at a meet, could be, you know, it could be anywhere where they noticed, you know, okay, I'm doing pretty well here. I, I could have a crack at this. You know, I could, I want to make an Olympics. I want to go to a world champs. Was there a moment for you or did things just sort of progress along naturally? Um, I like progressed at a very like natural rate. I made the junior Australian teams and then in 2013 I made my first more senior team which was the world university games and I went away um to Russia and competed there I competed pretty well um like I got a few medals in the backstroke events and everything was going like everything was kind of tracking really well and then in 2000 and I probably took it for granted a little bit in 2014 I was like okay great like the next step is this year for me to go to the Commonwealth Games and um, everything was on track. And then, as you probably know, four weeks before the Commonwealth Games trials, there's like New South Wales States, which Mm -hmm. is a pretty big meet. I swam really well there and like it was looking pretty promising that I would um, qualify for the Com Games. Um, And then after that meet, before we flew from New South Wales back to Queensland, we decided to do a gym session. And I just kind of underestimated how fatigued I was from a weekend of racing. And I, I did a box jump, <laughs> fell off and funnily enough, broke my arm. Mm. Um, and when I came back, I was like, no, no problems. Like I put a little, um, they put like a little removable cast on it and like a waterproof one. So basically I cycled for what my team did in the pool Um for the next three weeks, about a week out, hopped in the water, did some kick. I could use my arm with the, with the cast on. Um, and it kind of rolled around to trial still in my head. It was like, like it's, this is not an issue. Like I'll be fine. Um, and swam the heats, made it through, swam the semi, made it through. And I could, as you know, in a, um, Commonwealth Games year it's like top three Mm -hmm. um and then in the final I touched fourth and I mean I touched fourth behind amazing backstrokers um but oh it broke me because it's swimming was so important to me and I had taken for granted continuously you know being on these junior teams and and kind of making my way through and it kind of stopped um so yeah, I was heartbroken and I found out actually a few, like about a week before the team left for Manchester that I was going to be picked um, to go mm. uh, because one of the girls had to have surgery. So I, I was lucky enough to go away on that team and 
I came away with maybe a fourth and I don't really know, like minor, minor places. And um, after that, my coach sat down with me and he said, what, like, what have you learned this year? And I said, well, I will never take it for granted again. Like I, I can picture myself now sitting on that bike and watching my teammates continue to strive towards their goal and not being able to. So I basically just said that if I don't have to, there's nothing that I won't do to achieve my goals. And I won't miss a session. I won't miss a lap. I won't miss a meter unless I absolutely have to. And that's kind of like the momentum and um, the drive that I took into the following year in 2015 um, for the world championships, which was yeah, one of my more successful years. Mm. Didn't you get a silver medal in the 50 back at Com Games? Um, maybe. I can't, honestly can't remember. I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. I just, I'm just going off my research. It could be okay. wrong. It was on the <laughs> yeah. Australian Swimming website, so I might send them an email. I, th- I'm, I think that's wrong. Like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's – I don't I, – I think I would know if I got a silver. Okay, well, I'm going <laughs> to send them a message and say, listen, yeah. sort yourselves out. Uh, in terms of racing, um, have you got any pre-race rituals? Have you got anything that you, you need to go through? might even be the night before you have to watch a certain movie. Is there anything you need to do? Um. Uh, I mean, there's nothing that comes to mind that's like super set, but I'm I'm also very um, I'm semi superstitious. So like, I have a blanket that I always take away with me that is kind of gross because I don't wash it because I get scared of like washing the luck away. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got like a sticker next to my bed that's been there for a long time, and I. Um, I won't let anyone take it off. And it's a nothing sticker. It's like a barcode, but like, don't take it off. Pre-race, it's not, yeah, there's not something I can think of that's, that I do every single time without fail. It's just, I have routine, which is wake up, have a shower, have coffee, always wear my skins, that sort of thing, but not, um, not behind the blocks or anything like that. Yeah. What about pre-race um, meals? What do you like to have the night before a big meet? It's really hard because um, if I'm at home, I like to have like pasta. I think everyone says they like yeah, to have yeah. pasta. Spag bowl, yeah. <laughs> Spag bowl. But I've been like to s- some pretty like crazy competitions where that's just like not available. Um, in 2015 Worlds in Russia, the food that was like available to eat was like insane. It was like horse flesh, something tongue. And I was like, so I had to have boiled eggs on toast. So I think I am pretty adaptable to what I eat before, but if I'm at home, yeah, I like to have pasta. (laughs) I think you made the smart decision there, staying away from the horse. Yeah, not for me. (laughs) Not for me. It's just the sound of it turned me off. Uh, What about pre-race playlist? When you're in the marshalling area, are you listening to music or are you chatty? Oh, I'm chatty. Anything that that I can talk to you about that's going to take my mind away from what we're about to do in the marshalling, like I am extremely chatty. I love it. And the good thing is for my whole career, I've been in marshalling rooms with, girls who are the exact same as me yeah so you know we sit there and we just chat and chat about the bachelor or chat about just literally nothing um whereas like I look over to the boys and I'm like I'd be so scared everyone's kind of like hitting themselves and like it's like silent and then you just hear like a slap or something I'm like I could not it's intimidating. Yeah, they get pretty intense, don't they? Especially the sprinters. They're pretty, they're pretty intense and fired up. Yeah, yeah, especially the sprinters, absolutely. I, we're doing like a heat training block at the moment and we're just watching some of the swimming on the TV while we're cycling. And um, 
some some of the boys the men that walk out and they just have this like strut and they walk so slowly out <laughs> behind the block and it's like real cool I'm like oh my gosh I don't want to see what I look like walking out and probably like running behind the block like taking my stuff off like <laughs> I don't want to be late <laughs> uh mate 2016 massive moment for you and your career qualify for the Rio Olympics now before we get to the the meet itself for all the listeners out there that get to watch you guys on TV and they see the adulation when you touch the wall and you see that you've made your first Olympic team, talk us through that moment for you because it's only a moment you can understand if you've done it. You can't sit at home and go, oh, I know what that feels like. You have to be in it. So what was that moment like for you? It's really funny. Um, as special as that moment was, it was just a huge sigh of relief for me because I have put this pressure on myself and this um like stigma that that was the most important thing in my life and what I had to do was qualify for the Olympics and it is it's the pinnacle it's like I mean it's the Olympics so touching that wall in that moment like I can envision it is it's just pure relief it's just I've achieved it like but then you know a few minutes later it's just indescribable I, I honestly like remember looking up and it makes me emotional to think about it and seeing my parents it's just like I did that for you guys as well because you sacrificed everything um to help me get to this point so it, it's like such a team effort and it's just like like look what we did like it's yeah it's really special <laughs> no i'm glad you know i'm glad i'm not glad you're getting emotional about it but it's, it's <laughs> nice to see because I, I agree with you i think those moments are so much a team effort that it does get forgotten all those mornings that mum and dad got up to take you to the pool to pick you up to do those what did you say six hour trips to to meet yeah. and things like that i think mm -hmm. sometimes from the outside looking in when we're watching you guys it can seem very individual but there's definitely a team working hard yeah. behind the scenes for a long period of time to help you get there. So no, yeah, I'm, I'm glad absolutely. you feel that way. And um, it's, it's such a, um, it's such like a, a, a team effort. Like it's not something I could have achieved by myself. So it's like achieve, it's like a team goal as well. Yeah, the Rio Olympics experience itself. Um, you know, you were part of two relay successes in the the four by one freestyle the girls on gold silver in the in the im it is an individually sorry you you made the final of the 100 backstroke which must have been a massive moment for you walking out in your first olympic final um you'd not long been on the australian team if we really look at it because you'd only qualified in 2014 so it's not that long and all of a sudden you're in an olympic final what was that week like for you? Was it surreal? Did you, would you have a chance to sort of soak it up and take it in? Or was it a little bit, you know, I, I must admit, I'd never been there, but I'm sure I'd get very anxious because that's just the way I get. So how were you in that week? Um, the week, I mean, leading into it in the staging camp, I was probably a bit more edgy. Um, it, was a, it was a huge shock for me um, to be invited on to the four by one team and to be in the heat. I wasn't a freestyler. I'm not even sure that I competed in it at the trials. I think I just competed in the semi because it conflicted with some of my other races, but to be on that team and then, you know, do, do the morning swim and it, the, the feeling of, of like, I'm here with these girls. Like I've been chosen to be a part of this and to represent my country. That was a super, super special feeling for me. And then doing the individual swim on in like a, a separate box, I guess is, is completely different as well because it's for yourself mm. and it's an experience that, um, yeah, I, I would, I would, I, I can't, I honestly can't even describe it because it's such a proud feeling to stand behind the blocks with, um, the green and gold cap on and the Olympic rings, because I guess it's the, it's the pinnacle. It's, it's the top. It's yeah. It's, it's really special. How do you look back at your performance in the pool in that final? Look, I didn't perform anywhere near as well as what I should have um, going into that. I, I was definitely prepared to do a lot better than what I did. But also, like, looking back now, I just, I'm proud of, 
of that girl that was there. Like you said, I've only been on the team for two years and it was all new to me. It was all foreign and I, I, yeah, I don't know. Like it's, it's hard. Like I'm, I'm super proud of what I did, but in that moment I was extremely disappointed. You always want to do better. You always want to do better for your country. And I just wanted to do what I thought that I was, you know, capable of. And I kind of didn't quite get there. But at the same time, I finished that race and I messaged my family and I was like, I'm going to do that again. Like, I'm going to be there again. And like, that's what I'm working for now is to just recreate that experience and hop out of it with no regrets. All right. Well, racing wise then, let's, let's fast forward to next year and you are in the final again. What lessons did you learn from, from that experience that you'll look to take forward into that sort of environment? I think the biggest lesson is just not to get carried away with everything that's going on and to just be proud of each step. I didn't allow myself to, to go, Hey, you made you made a heat. Well done. Yeah. Hey, you made a semi well done. Hey, you made a final. I just constantly was thinking about the final outcome. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think I just, I got carried away without it. And it's all a bit of a blur. I think if I would go back or next year, I would really appreciate the smaller moments and the little stepping stones because I think when you take confidence away from each little success that you have, it builds onto the bigger picture. Whereas I think because I was so focused on the outcome of that final, I I wasn't even aware of what I was doing and I wasn't even aware of how great it was that, hey, I'm at an Olympic Games, you know? Mm. So... Any athletes village stories? Did you enjoy yourself? Because obviously swimming's in the first week. So did you get a chance to relax in the second week, enjoy yourself, go watch other sports, bump into any tennis players or soccer players or whatever it might've been? Um, yeah, it's again, like such a big blur, but oh my gosh, an amazing experience. Like watching other sports you watch, I watched on TV from when I was the youngest kid and then, going to sports and watching it live and, and just, I I mean, I went to like weightlifting and stuff like that just to kind of, you know, get the experience in and, and feel the atmosphere. But I I mean, I I don't really have like any stories to share so much about the second, second week. I feel like it's like not really, I don't know. I just don't really talk about it. (laughs) No, it's all right. It's all good. I've decided also, um, yeah. by the way, I'm going to, on a side note, I'm going to start more of a, an adult show and we're going to go through athletes village stories, which only the adults oh, no. can listen to because I yeah. really want to know what goes on yeah. through that week. Yeah. I think it'd be um, just some brilliant stories. Now I also yeah. just realized I said soccer, Soccer's not the Olympics, is it? I don't know. Soccer. No, I don't think it is. I think I'm losing my mind. Um, I mean, I don't, I'm not like the greatest. The funny thing is, is I'm not like the greatest at knowing a lot about other sports and a lot about other athletes. And someone will be like, oh my God, like, like that's Rafa. And I'm like, (laughs) ah, cool. (laughs) But you could have been standing next to Usain Bolt and you wouldn't have even known. Yeah, I'd be like. This is a good rice, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Um, mate, talk to me about some of your favorite sessions during the week. So not so much sets, because I think sets are, you know, individual for everyone. I know sometimes I talk to like Bob Bowman, Greg Troy, and people are like, oh, get their sets. I want to know what Caleb Dressel does. I'm like, why? You're, you know, mm. you're coaching a 15-year-old kid. You shouldn't be doing what Caleb Dressel does. So sessions-wise, what are your favourite sessions of the week? Is it speed? Is it aerobic? Is it recovery? Some people have said recovery, so you're more than welcome to say that. <laughs> I mean, recovery is great. I don't, <laughs> I don't get a huge amount of recovery, so when I do it, yeah, I really like it. But I really like I, lo- I love speed work. I find it really fun. Um, we do at training, we do a lot of um, like skill-based sessions. Mm-hmm. So um, I do some one-on-one, two-on-one sort of skill-based sessions with our skill acts. And they're probably some of my favorite because I just love seeing the improvement. And in skills, you can, you know, at the pool, we have two 
huge um, TV screens and they put the skills up there and it's like last week's compared to this week and what you've changed and and it just I love being able to see that improvement um so yeah probably my favorite sessions are like the skill-based sessions um but at the same time I from a young age I have always done a lot of aerobic work um which is why now I do more aerobic work than what maybe my um what it might look like I'm 100 200 freestyler um but yeah just because it's like you know from a young age it's like been something that I've always done I I do like doing like longer aerobic stuff as well in terms of tough sessions and I get asked this a lot by young swimmers as well so I prefer for you guys to answer this because you're the ones going through it where do you go mentally in a tough session? One that's sort of really, you know, forcing you to dig deep and, and come up with some extra efforts to sort of, you know, give that confidence moving forward that you're on the right track. Mentally for you, is that something where you just go one, you know, one effort at a time, one effort at a time, or do you have an eye on your goals in that set and that's motivating you along the way as well? I mean, like there are sessions where I literally have to do it one effort at a time to kind of make it through. Um, Hopefully my headphones don't turn off here. Um, <laughs> otherwise, I'll just talk through the. Yeah, right. We can. We can. Make it. <laughs> it's all good. Um, yeah. So sometimes I I have to just do one at a time, one at a time, and then other times, I don't know. Like I I I build confidence and excitement of something that I've done previously. So if I so if I'm doing efforts and I've done a really good one before, it makes me excited to do the next one and then carry on. And lately a lot um, when I'm finding things tough, I just envision that moment in 2019 when we um, broke the world record and that moment where we were, um, you know, able to hug each other and, and celebrate. I just envision that moment and like nothing, nothing else matters because all I want is that moment again. So Matt, hugging people, that must be something we look back on and, and miss because you can't hug people anymore. You can't do any of that. Yeah, I know. I, I can't even imagine achieving something and then not being able to hug the girls. Like I honestly can't imagine it. I feel like I, I'm going to be in trouble all the time because it's just like an automatic reaction to an amazing yeah. achievement. <laughs> Instant quarantine. That's it. She t- she's, she's hugged someone else. Quarantine again. Two weeks for you. Yeah. yeah. You're out. <laughs> Um, May 2018, I noted in my research that you, you missed the Commonwealth Games there. Talk to me about that. What, what, is there a backstory to that? Where, where would, did we, we go um, missing in that year? Um, I think, so 2018 was obviously like a, a pivotal moment in my career, but also it was a tough year for me. I became too complacent in what I was doing and I stopped taking opportunities to learn. Um, and I think when that happens, it really, you stop being able to improve and yeah, I stopped taking on board information. I stopped allowing myself to to basically just learn new things. And in 2018, I missed the team. I missed qualifying for the team. And honestly, like that was just the hardest like pill to swallow. That year was incredibly tough for me. And I honestly can't really remember it because for a long section of that, I just blurred it all out. I, I, yeah, I, it was, it was really tough, but again, I just sat down and I just said like, do you want this? Mm. Like, is this what, is this what you want? You want to like continue, um, swimming yeah I do so make the changes allow yourself to learn and 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 think good things will follow and I made the decision to move to Adelaide in 2018 and come and train under my coach Peter Bishop and the whole amazing sassy team here and that was the best thing that I could have done because they are amazing teachers honestly like I have never learned so much about swimming than what I have in the past, you know, two years. It's, it's insane. The amount of stuff that I didn't know and had just stopped taking on board and then just the improvements that I've had since 
allowing myself to learn. I think that's just the biggest thing is you just have to, to always take away a lesson from anything that you do. Um, and that's, that's what I, what I've done and, and what I've done in the last kind of two years. Mm. And yeah, I think 2018 sucked, <laughs> but I mean, I, I wouldn't be where I am right now and I'm confident in, in what I'm doing and what I've done over the last 12 months. And I would, I wouldn't, two years ago, I would have never been confident in what, what I've doing because I've learned so much and I, I, I can stand behind the blocks and, I, and I've learned so much about a race plan and, and so many different things that I'm just like confident in, confident in what I'm about to do. Mm. So I think once I changed that mindset in 2018 to, okay, you have a lot more lessons to learn. It just, yeah, it just became so much more easier for me to improve. Oh, mate, it's a credit to you. And I think it's a great lesson for all the swimmers out there or anybody in life, to be honest, that's listening. Once you think you're, you've got all the answers, that's usually the moment you start going backwards. So constantly be, you know, searching for answers, trying to better yourself. As I said, I think it's a credit to you to obviously be self-aware enough to have a look at yourself in the mirror and go, okay, I've, I've, you know, I've sort of got a bit too complacent here and I need to push myself again. You mentioned your coach there, Peter Bishop, okay. The, the COVID marshal, I've noticed he's down there. He's got his COVID <laughs> marshal on. Um, talk to me about your relationship with him since moving down there and, and how he's sort of, you know, best helped you progress. Oh, like, Again, it makes me, it, it really makes me emotional to think of these people in my life who have just contributed so much and more than, than like they even know. Um, he has taught me everything about a 200 meter freestyle, the way to train, uh, the way to recover and everything. He, he's, he's taught me so much and I think, you know, our relationship is, is super special because we, we both just learn off each other. Mm. I think that the way that he teaches is, is, is the best that I've ever seen because yeah, like I said, I've never, I've never learned so much from someone and he is just, he knows when to bring the energy and like that guy, he can come in some days dancing and, yeah he like he's so funny like the COVID Marshall thing he's got badges and hats and vests and armbands and like if you're standing too close to someone like he will let you know like he, <laughs> he just has this energy about him that makes you so excited to to get in and and for me I just I want him to be so proud of me because he has taught me so much so what I do I, I just every day I just hope I hope that's made him proud well, I think, mate, if he was listening to this, that would make him proud, just that sentence, because that is the sentence every coach does love to hear that, you know, the swimmers are out there trying to make them proud. Talk to me about 2019, world champs, Guangzhou, what a huge meet, not just for you, but obviously the girls, part of the relay team, a massive moment. Talk to me about that moment. And that obviously it's an emotional one for you, because you mentioned it before and you, you know, you didn't get teary, but you were certainly starting to, all those emotions were coming back. So it must have been a huge moment. Yeah, last year was was huge, um, especially because I think once your confidence is knocked, um, which mine was completely knocked in 2018 when I missed the team, it takes a lot to bring it back. And it's it was a 12 months of, of just slowly but surely getting confidence and adding momentum on top of that. And that, that is what my coaches did. Um, and that moment is is so special because for me that 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 was my comeback from you know falling down and and that was me getting back up again and you know that race it was terrible like you like my part of that race was was terrible my coach was like oh I don't even know but I learned from that and like I am so proud that I got to that point and I did what I did and yeah, moving forward again, I have, I have so much more to achieve and so much more to do because I learned, but being able to do that, you know, break the world record and, and be in there with, with those girls, it's, 
my favorite experience to date. Like it's my, it's the best thing that's happened in my career because I came back from a knock and I came back pretty strong. I thought. Mate, absolutely. What what do you like as a relay swimmer? Are you someone who gets more nervous because you know you don't want to let the the girls down, or are you someone who gets more relaxed around the girls because it's more of a chilled sort of um, fun environment? Probably a mixture, honestly, because the um, relays are so special to Australia. Um, I feel like people get behind them a lot not more than an individual swimming, but they just, something about them is just like, we are Australian. Like, and then also we have such a strong history of fast female relays. We've got such, and so just that makes me like a bit anxious and a bit nervous to kind of have that history and, and all that revolved around it. But then at the same time, like you, you said, like I have full trust in my team. And all they know is I, if I do my job and they do their job, their job, like we're going to do the best we can do. Mm. And that was a world record and a gold medal last year. So it's pretty special. Well, mate, again, as I said, a credit to you, as you mentioned, you know, what you went through and then to fight back. And again, I just think it's a great lesson for all the younger swimmers out there who, you know, maybe have a bad meet and all of a sudden they think their world is, is falling down and they go, oh, well, I'm not improving. You know, everyone goes through things and, and it's just about how you, um, you know, respond to that and bounce back, which obviously you did brilliantly. We talked about the girls there. How proud are you at the moment of all the Aussie girls, which you're a part of what you're achieving at the moment? You know, we've got Kate and Bronte, Emma McKee and Ariane, as I said, yourself, Brianna Throssell, Kayla Mc- I could keep going. We also have a wealth of young talent coming through, which I know you got to, to work with on that relay camp not long ago with, uh, Lani Pallister, Gabriella Pinego. I've had a few of those younger girls coming on the podcast as well. How exciting is it for young female swimmers at the moment? And what, you know, how excited should we be for the future as well? Oh, it's insane. The, the like caliber of athletes that we have across like the female um, relays, especially, but a female event, events in general is, is it's crazy. And I think it, it pushes us all to be better from the top right down to, to the bottom. It, it makes us all strive to be better because it's so competitive and it, it is, it's, it's amazing. And it's something that everyone wants to be a part of. Relays are so special. Um, it's, it's funny. You mentioned that camp, the four by two camp that we went on in um, Noosa with Dean Boxall. Yeah. There were some like super talented young girls on there. But, um, like, the number one that sticks in my head is Jenna Forrester. And she is a little firecracker. She is absolutely amazing. Um, But I went away with her when I think I was, like, maybe 14 or 15. And she was probably four. And she had come away because her younger sister was on the team and her mum was a supervisor. And she was tiny. And I just can't believe, like, now she's – I'm not sure exactly how old she is, but now she's on these camps and, and it's just like, wow, like where, where did time go? (laughs) Yeah. What a gun. She was on the podcast last week, actually, that I put out. Yeah. She was phenomenal talent. Yeah. She is. She's, and she is amazing trainer. Amazing. Like I'm in awe of, of what, what she can do, but I mean, probably most of Dean athletes are are pretty similar. They, (laughs) they're tough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mate, stepping away from the pool now, what do you like to get up to when you're not going up and down the black line? Um, I know it was a while ago, but I, I saw you guys did a video for South Australian tourism or whatever it was. That looked like a very fun weekend, just saying, just sitting by the fire and <laughs> enjoying the houseboat. But what do you get up to when you're, when you're not going up and down the black line? I mean, it's pretty weird because um, when I'm away from swimming, I still like to be around water. So I love going to the beach. I live probably 50 metres from the beach um, and I love going for walks and it, like just taking my dog anywhere to the beach, the dog park, anything along those lines. Um, I love going to the movies and most importantly, I love to eat food. <laughs> What's your favourite foods to eat then? What do you, if you, is it just depending on the day? Do you get cravings? What do you feel like? Um, I've re- like, this is super, I feel like this is like a super weird thing to say, but I love toasted sandwiches. Like there's this cafe down the road from me that does 
the meanest toasted sandwich. And then the other day I saw this like article about like the top toasted sandwiches in Adelaide. And I was like, Oh my God, do I have to go and try all these toasted sandwiches? And was the answer? Yes. <laughs> well, it's yes, but maybe yes. In like a few years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you have on your toasted cheese sandwich? Cause listen, you've, you've, you're talking my language now. I do love a cheese toasty. What do you have? It is ham, tomato. What do you have on it? Yeah. I, I like, I feel like a really good basic toasted sandwich is like ham, cheese, tomato, sometimes onion. And then it's, it's just about like those like specific aspects of the sandwich. What's the bread like? Is there butter on the outside, which is obviously very important. What yeah. sort of ham is it? And like all those sorts of things. We've got to get off this. Otherwise you'll keep me talking about. I know I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you um, study uni, anything like that? What do you get up to outside of swimming? Yeah, um, I'm studying a diploma of community services. Um, so my mum is a like, big inspiration to me. She has worked really hard her entire life and she, um, you know, works with a lot of domestic violence um, kind of areas in Queensland. So um, I kind of just want to be like my mama and, um, you know, do a bit of case management. So I'm doing like a self-paced study diploma in community services. So it, I just kind of plot along at that while, while I'm swimming and training. I found it hard to balance uni and swimming, yeah. traveling so much. So this is a, a much better option for me. Talking about sort of studying and, and swimming for all the younger swimmers out there who are still in year 12 or 11 or 10 or whatever it might be. How did you find school and swimming? I remember um, when I was in year 12, 11 and 12, I remember me thinking that the most important part was swimming. Like I, I remember that being my opinion. And I remember always being like, like my coach, Bolly, he would always be like, oh, yeah, but getting through year 12 is, is like very important first. And then like swimming. And I was always like, you don't get it. Like <laughs> you don't understand. But then I look back and I think that, the experiences that you need to experience in year 12 getting the study done and and you know completing that year of your life it's like okay if swimming has to take a minor backseat um you can still do and achieve what you need to in the pool but I think it's super, super important to have balance in your life and I think that yeah like social um and school like social aspects of year 12 and and school are, are super important things that you can't really just like put out it put out of your life I think I think yeah and make sure that you you know have balance with study and swimming definitely I think that is great advice it's it's not the first time it's been said on here and I do love hearing it that you know you've got to have things outside of swimming not necessarily that it becomes the priority apart from swimming but it just gives you something else to to think about and work towards so you don't become sort of swimming doesn't become all-consuming which even as a coach it can do so we, we need to make sure we're we're, you know, yeah. finding other avenues. Uh, I like to always finish these chats, Maddie, with some less serious questions just to see what you, you like at home, what you like to watch, what you like to listen to, because I think it gives mm -hmm. us a good idea of, you know, your personality and, and what you like away from the pool. So I'll throw them out there and just whatever first comes to your head, you just throw it straight back. So okay. what's your favorite music to listen to? Um, anything that's like super boppy and like teenage girl is me in a nutshell like everyone hates it if I'm in control of the music at training because it's it's teenage girl bopping yeah <laughs> <laughs> what about favorite movies what movies do and obviously you've had a bit of time in isolation and stuff like that so what what are your favorite movies to watch look I'm not a huge movie buff like I I don't really watch too many movies but in saying that like I don't mind Lion King I watched it the other night again and again and again and probably uh, Lion King I really like it. <laughs> do you think uh they they did a good job of it the remake or do you still prefer the the cartoon version? I mean I think the cartoon version is like is Lion King yeah but also I think the remake is great as well. Yeah. Beyonce kills it. Yeah I, I must admit I wasn't a massive fan of it because I've got a, a daughter who's about to be two so we have watched it together and uh, uh -huh. I think even she switched off. How, yeah. How do young kids do they, I, I wouldn't think it would be as engaging for like younger kids. You would be surprised what she will just sit there and watch. So monsters Inc. She won't leave the screen if that's on. She just loves it. 
um, A Good Dinosaur. I don't know if you've ever said, I can go through Disney Plus all day with you. Um, oh, I love it. I've had to watch. I actually, <laughs> I actually have two nieces um, yeah. in Queensland. And when I went back because of COVID, we watched, like, we, let, we watched Frozen three times every day. Yeah. Like, without fail. I'm like, and they act. They act like it, <laughs> yeah. it, like they they don't know what's coming. I'm like, we've already seen this two times today. Like, you know what's about to happen. And they're like, oh. I'm like, well, what? <laughs> uh, similar to that, uh, my daughter's Kina Moana. That's probably her oh, favorite. And she knows all the one. songs and she knows where to. Mm-hmm. She, she, does, she doesn't act like she does. She knows it's coming up and she'll add in <laughs> parts and just make noises. She can't really speak properly yet. Like, not yeah. words that I understand, but. Um, yeah. But she knows yeah. what's happening, that's for sure. What oh, about your favourite meals? You're a bit of a foodie, obviously, away from the toasted cheese sandwiches and stuff <laughs> like that. What do you, what's your favourite? If you went out for dinner, what are you looking to have? Um, probably Italian. I'm probably, I, like, I can't really go past, like, a good pasta or a pizza. Mm. Um, yeah, that's, like, probably my go-to would be, would be Italian. But honestly, like, I, I don't eat out heaps. Yeah. Um, but when I do, yeah, I, I would go Italian first. Um, my roommate is uh, another amazing swimmer, um, Lisa Pickett, and we live on a wharf. So there's like probably like 12 restaurants. We only just moved here. So we're just like making our way along the wharf to, yeah. you know, <laughs> try them well, all out. Mate, I'm not going to um, disagree with you. I love Italian and, and I've been to Italy twice now and every time I come out like 10 kilos heavier just because I can't get enough of the food. Um, yeah, and then after you're like, gelato, I have to. Like, how can I not have an ice cream after dinner? Well, after not even dinner. just one gelato, Maddie. If, I, if I'm walking past another gelato place on the way home and I see another <laughs> flavor that I'm, it's taken my, I'm going to go in, I'm going to have another one. Oh, exactly. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What about TV shows to binge watch? Okay. I'm binge watching Suits at the moment, which is like very different for me because it's not like a TV show that I would would usually get into, but I'm actually loving it. Mm. Um, And then I really liked, I like just like reality TV, like um, Selling Sunsets on Netflix. That was really good. And then anything true crime like when i drove from like here to queensland and then queensland back to here i just listened to true crime podcasts which is it sounds sickening but it's it's actually super interesting no i I agree with you i've got a parent who um at swimming and he's a police officer and i'm always trying to pump him for stories and he can't give them to me obviously but i just want to know what's going on because it is as you said it's very interesting yeah it's insane Mate, favorite countries that you've visited? You've been to a few now. What well, obviously we love Australia and you know, if we had the choice we would never leave and we'd stay here. But what other places that you visited have you enjoyed? Um, I'd have to say top three would be um London. I love London. Um, Santorini and then Positano, like along the Malfi Coast in Italy. Very nice. How long were yeah. you there for? What was that for? Just a holiday training camp? What was it? Um, me and Emma McKeon went there after 2015 Worlds um, for a bit of a holiday and we both got um, food poisoning, which sucked. So most of the time we spent inside, but from what I saw, whew, I'll go back. <laughs> uh, finally, mate, the last one for you. Any quotes that you enjoy? Obviously, um, you know, you've been on many Australian teams now, so there would have been obviously coaches or people giving out quotes. Do you have any that you sort of resonate with you and you live by? There's not, not really necessarily any quotes that I live by, but one that's like kind of stuck with me is one that Ian Thorpe said, well, a phrase that Ian Thorpe said is basically like, I never lose because he values it's I, I like I don't know it off by heart, but like he thinks that winning is is giving everything that you've got, and he says I've never lost a race. Yeah, no, I like that one too, mate. Now, when we redo this interview in say two, three years' time, already killing it at the beginning with the accomplishments that I put in the intro <laughs> for you, but is there any that you'd like me to be adding? Do you have any goals? This is sometimes a tough question at the end because people question whether they want to be you know sort of putting the pressure on themselves to put things out there so your answers are are more than fine however you want to go about this but when we do redo it what accomplishments would you like me to be adding to that intro honestly like I think 
like and when I come back in in a few years time I I hope that I can just say yeah I continued to learn and I think that when I continue to learn I'll continue and improve and when I continue to improve hopefully I'll have some more great achievements I love that answer and uh, it's a great um it's a great learning experience again for anyone listening to to take that to heart now i want to wrap it up there i think it's a great chance to you know say thank you very much for agreeing to come on um this is probably one of the easier chats that i've ever put together because i reached out to you you said yes we've made it happen pretty quickly and i can honestly say it doesn't always go that easy so thank you very very (laughs) much Um, hopefully enjoy the rest of your afternoon mate and get up and kill it again tomorrow morning in training good luck over the next few months um with training and ultimately, you know, going on to try and keep learning and then secure your spot for the 2021 Tokyo Olympics. And until we have another chat, thank you very much for coming on Off The Block Swimming Podcast. Thanks so much. Today's episode of Off The Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you as always by Nico and our good friends at Pro Swim Workouts. Don't forget to head over to the YouTube page to watch all the amazing interviews from season three so far. The latest edition is uh, Susie O'Neill and also the men's 4 by 100 meter freestyle relay team. So head over there right now on YouTube, like and subscribe and enjoy all the great interviews with some Aussie icons. Now keep your podcast dial here all week with still some amazing chats coming your way. Tomorrow, of course, we head over to New Zealand. As always, everyone knows Tuesday is New Zealand Day here on the podcast. Later in the week, we also have an Aussie legend and an Aussie young gun that you will be sure to remember. Now, until then, though, guys, make sure you make most of the warm weather out there. Get out and about. Apologies to those listening from overseas where the weather's getting a bit colder. Keep smiling. And it's bye for now.